Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're currently listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. This podcast is a ministry resource of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Alex, and I have the honor of serving as the technical director here at Journey. This Sunday was message 8 of 17 in our series, The Kingdom. This week's message is entitled, Get Out of the Boat. Welcome to each and every one of you joining us today. If you missed this week's message, you can go right now, and you can check it out on our YouTube page, on our website at takethejourney.cc, or on the JCI app. People tune in every week to the podcast for practical ideas on growing in their faith. The mission and the vision of this podcast is that your faith would truly be activated through spiritually engaging in this conversation. Our prayer is that through the next 30 minutes or so, the Holy Spirit would activate something in your heart. Pastor Christian, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be with you again. Thank you. I, I feel like I should be welcoming you <laughs> rather than you welcoming me, but you've, yeah, you've, you've been on it almost as much as almost I have the last the past, four or five yeah. weeks. I was yeah. going to ask you, so does this mean that I'm part of the varsity team now, or are you <laughs> on the JV team now? How do we... How do we label that? Whichever way, whichever way you want to put it. We should put like a chat and have them vote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> yeah. That'd be funny. Well, the last couple of times I've hosted the podcast, um, I've been having a conversation with Pastor Christian Gracia. He's our church planning resident, as yep. you know, yep. um, here at Journey, which means that one day in the next couple of years, he'll be sent with his family, provided God calls him to do that, uh, to plant a church in another community. Yep. Could you take a moment and just remind our listeners why church planning is not just something that we want to support as an organization, but, but that we truly desire to be a training ground for, to send out church plants from within? And, and why is this so important to the 25-year vision? Yeah, so Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But he didn't say they wouldn't come against it. So Jesus' church has been active. It's been on mission. It's been impactful for 2,000 years. Uh, but the like the forces of evil in our world are still are still coming against Jesus and His plan for the world, and we know that new churches, by and large, just statistically, new churches reach the most new people. Mm. I don't know what it is about going to a church in a public sp- space that's set up teardown that's pretty new that allows unchurched and de-churched people, people who've never gone to church before, people who've been to a church in a long, long time, to think I'm safe visiting mm-hmm. there. Uh, Pastor Ryan on last week's podcast talked about a guy he picked up on the side of the road, which um, we we don't recommend for everyone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he yeah. had to take, you know, caught this guy in a kind of an argument with his brother, um, I think at a gas station. So he picked him up, took him to the next place. They drove by our church uh, and Pastor Ryan said, there, there's our church. We'd love to have you. Mm. And the guy said, it looks pretty nice. I'm not sure somebody like me oh, would wow. be welcome wow. there. There are a lot of people who won't walk into a church building that now looks like our church building, which is a church building, because mm-hmm. they're not sure they belong in church. That'll walk into a school, walk into a community center, uh, walk yeah, walk into a movie theater. It's like there's all kinds of people like me sure. in here. So we know new churches reach new people. And Jesus told his disciples, uh, and the Apostle Paul told the people he was discipling to be disciples that develop disciples that develop disciples that develop disciples. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think one thing that really helps a church not focus on building its kingdom, mm-hmm. sl- small k, lowercase yeah. kingdom, yeah. make it all about journey, is to continue to send part of your church, part of your staff, part of your people, part of your resources out to start new churches. Yeah. So we would we would not be here the way we are here without churches who believed in planting churches helping us, yeah. and we have uh, just a tremendous heart 
Uh, we've been for the last 11 years supporting new churches, uh, as many as we could in as many places as we could, with a desire to, to raise up our own church planners, and we're hoping Christian will be yeah. the first one of those. And, and one. we yeah, we believe he'll be, um, if we get him in the right place with the right people at the right time, mm-hmm. uh, his, his gifting and I think his calling mm-hmm. as we've begun to unpack from the name of his church to the mission of his church to the strategies of, strategies of his church seems like an, an exciting vision that God's mm-hmm. put in his spirit that when it comes to fruition will yeah. uh, we'll have great impact on the world. And, and one of his desires is to be a church that plants churches so we can just keep being disciples that produce disciples that produce disciples that produce disciples. Yes. That's good. Yep. That's good. Let's jump into your message from this week. Um, this week's week, we're zooming into um, our third kingdom citizen profile, and that is of the Apostle Peter. Yeah. I, I really personally enjoyed this message simply because I've, I've always found myself relating to Peter more than the other <laughs> disciples right. for some reason than, than right. others. Um, it's it, our Enneagram shape. It, it is, yeah. There's, the eights, there's right? No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> First to talk. Yeah. First to, to bite their tongue, yep. <laughs> you know, a little yep. bit. Yep. yep. Go, f- yeah. Go first in war. Yep. And sometimes cause some battles that shouldn't <laughs> have even have been fought because the, sometimes yep. everything can yep. be, can, can feel like war. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But I, I, f- I see a lot of myself in Peter and, and just can relate with his story. And, and in this specific bit of scripture, we see yet again another time where Peter has, has really time and time again, um, learned valuable spiritual lessons through kind of what I would call really spiritual failure or misses just in his own, his own spiritual life. Can you talk about um, kingdom profiles? We're, we're in this portion of, of your message series called kingdom profiles. Can you, can you talk about this part of the message series and explain why it's so important to see ourselves and our own circumstances in the shoes of the people that were in proximity to Jesus in the Bible? Yeah. So the apostle Paul told Timothy in second in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is useful for preaching and teaching and correcting and exhorting so that the people of God could be equipped and trained in righteousness. Yeah. The Apostle Peter would, would, when writing to the church in 2 Peter, uh, equate Paul's writings to the writings of Scripture. Yeah. So it's really the Apostle Peter who said what Paul's doing, uh, there's something deeply supernatural through the Holy Spirit going on. So if we look at Peter saying, hey, Paul's readings are going to teach you what God wants to know, and Paul saying everything that's written is going to teach you what God wants to know, we go back to everything that was written and say, what, what could we learn about it? And a lot of what we learn are the examples of people. The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth that a lot of the stories of people written in Scripture were written as our example so that we can take heed lest we fall. Like learn from people, learn from their mistakes, learn from their faith, uh, learn from what they did and what they didn't do. And, and let that help you in your faith journey. Yeah. So this part of the series, real specifically, is looking at people like us, yeah. um, just r- regular people in the world that Jesus called to follow him, that he used, and trying to learn from their faith stories. The profile of this story with Peter seems, seems rash, yeah. and it certainly was a big ask of Peter, yeah. Um, no bigger than Elisha asking Elijah for a double portion of his spirit. But really, I think you see the inner faith child of Peter mm. as much as you see the big brash fisherman of Peter, uh, because you see a guy who you can look at two different ways, um, bold enough to get out of the boat and walk on water yeah. or too afraid to stay in the boat because he needed to be closer to Jesus. Mm. So really, there, I mean, there's a lot of the Apostle Peter's heart that we're learning in this series. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we look at people because they can be examples to our faith. So that's, 
that's been the goal in this series as we've continued just to look at, you know, last week was a, was a group of people, the disciples. Yeah. Next week is a group of people, the Pharisees. Like we're actually going to look sometimes at people, sometimes at groups of people and say, sure. it's what life looks like in, in the kingdom. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. And I hope that as we go through these kingdom profiles, people can start to see themselves in, in each of these, these just different stories and, and sure. applications. And, yeah, and I think we will because really they, they, get, um, they get more normal as we go. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist, it's pretty abnormal. There's only one of him in the world, Jesus says. Right. Uh, nobody born a woman, women had, like, had a bigger mission than him. Mm. Um, the disciples were last week. There's only, there's only 12 of them <laughs> yeah. that Jesus officially commissioned as his people mm-hmm. to start his church. This week's the Apostle Peter. There's really only one of him. Yeah. Next week's the Pharisees. Pretty unique group. But then when we get into kind of the Syrophoenician woman, by the time we get to the end, we're dealing with really everyday people sure. living in faith. And I think as we learn from the giants and then we see it trickle down into the lives of just normal people. Yeah trying to make it one day at a time. Yeah. Um, we're like, hey, I, I'm, I'm like the last two, but I learned a lot of lessons from the first three or four. Yeah. If we tune into these, these messages, I think we'll all yeah, gain some I, spiritual depth. I think the series as a whole, when yeah. we lay all six kingdom profiles next to each other, mm-hmm. we'll see what a citizen of the kingdom of God looks like yeah. who's living on mission and making impact for Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Um, so in your message, you lay out seven key elements of the gospel message, which is really the whole point of all of this, right? Yep. Um, all of these are critical to building a solid foundation and understanding why we call Jesus Savior and ultimately submitting our lives to him. I think about the illustration Grassi gave a few weeks ago about the Play-Doh fish that he makes for Zion, like almost on a daily basis, he said. Um, and, and he was using that to say that sometimes we, we try to distort the image of the gospel and, and the image of who Jesus is to better suit what we want in our lives rather than the, what, what God would want in our lives. Um, as we look at these seven gospel truths and realities, um, do you think there, there are certain ones that are easier to overlook or miss than others? And are there some that you believe that the, maybe even the modern church is missing and could be distorting in some way? So I think all seven of them could be mm-hmm. distorted yeah. and are distorted from time to time, and sometimes not even unintentionally, just in the verbiage that we've developed around yeah. Christianity. Sometimes I... I I think we have less than really, really sound theology, mm-hmm. and then, and then sometimes just as a as an aspect of shallow Christianity, we we miss some. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably one of the most overlooked aspect of the Gospels is that we were uh, we were rowing against the wind. We had no hope mm-hmm. of getting to God if He didn't get to us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot yeah. of times in Christianity, like we sing about running to Jesus and we tell people to come to Jesus and. Like, you know, go find Jesus and all that stuff. The, re- the reality is, like, Jesus is up on the mountain watching the disciples. They have no hope. They are rowing against the wind. And whatever the wind might be in your situation, family, yeah. finances, friendships, everything in life, the broken nature of the world mm-hmm. is going to keep us from rowing towards Jesus. But he comes to, he comes us. to us. So I think one of, the, you know, one of the biggest aspects of the gospel that we miss is not that we go to Jesus, it's that Jesus comes to us. I think another big one that we miss is Jesus has to call us. Hmm. Jesus called Peter out of the boat. Yeah. Now, Jesus was like, Peter said, if you, like, if you want me to come, call me. And Jesus was like, come here. Mm-hmm. But in John six forty four, Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father unless they're drawn. Hmm. We don't just wake up one day and think, oh, I think today I'm going to be a Christian. Yeah. It's, the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit and it's, it's the work of a sovereign God 
that draws our hearts to Jesus. I think that's really important in an understanding when when at Christmas and at Easter and on these on these big days when when we tell people who Jesus is and we ask them to respond, we're not asking them really to choose. Mm-hmm. We're asking them um, to acknowledge whether or not God is drawing mm. and if he's drawing to say yes yeah. or to say no. So I think that's one that sometimes gets distorted just in how we talk and how we sing and come to Jesus, run to Jesus. Also, it's like, no, actually, the only reason we have a relationship with God is because he came to yeah. us, not vice versa. Yeah. Um, and then I think Peter having to reach out and this thought that, like, you cannot walk with Jesus unless you stay connected to Jesus, and that's you constantly, like, even when you've been called to Jesus, drawn to Jesus, accepted that call to Jesus, you still on a daily basis are trying to take steps to get there. And when you slip and fall and stumble, you have to reach out. There's got to be this consistent connection for you to walk with Jesus. I think, um, you know, if, if you were to look at it in the terms of, of, of like, a modern— what some people believe modern salvation could be. You could say, okay, like, um, so Jesus was on shore. The disciples were on the boat. There, there could be a misunderstanding in Christianity that Christianity looks like this. Um, the disciples saw Jesus on shore. They rode to him because they were looking for something more on their own. Um, and Jesus from the shore says, if you want to follow me, all you got to do is get out of the boat. And Peter raises his hand and says, I'll do that. Yeah but never gets out of the boat and rows away. And they're like, yeah, he, he's, he accepted Jesus' call to get out of the boat. And it's like, no, he did, yeah, yeah. No, he did not. Yeah. First, he didn't get to Jesus. Jesus came to him. Mm-hmm. And then when he called him, he did have to step out in faith. Yeah. And on that journey towards Jesus, he stumbled and he slipped in faith, but he kept crying out for Jesus. There is this consistent and eternal connection to Jesus in real, authentic Christianity that we talked about in the parable of the sowers that was one of the things yeah. Garcia preached yeah. on that produces a crop. There's these three soils that appear to be a seed that hits the heart but misses the mark, and then there's this one that gets it right. Hmm. Um, I think these elements of the gospel, and my honestly, Alex, my favorite part of this message as I studied for it yeah. was realizing this is not a message about Peter. Matthew hmm. did not write this to teach us anything about Peter. Sure. Matthew wrote this to teach us about Jesus. And as we talked about information, inspiration, illumination, incarnation, yep. Yep. so many times in Scripture you're looking for Jesus. And like, well, where's Jesus? And like, well, he's on the mountain. He's in the water. So, okay, the, if we're not trying to find Waldo in this story. We're trying yeah. to find the gospel. Yeah. What do we learn about Jesus? Mm-hmm. We learn that he comes to us. We learn that there's separation. We learn he has to call us. We learn that we have to respond in faith. We learn we have to keep crying out for him. So there's sure. so many, like... For me to realize the story of walking on water is the story of the gospel. Mm. And it is all of our stories because all of us remember the time when we were separated from Jesus and we didn't find him, but we saw him walking towards us and he invited us to him. And when we stumbled and fell on the way to him, he was right there to help us. And he rebuked us, but in rebuking us, both taught us and cared for us and took care of us. I think there's just so much good gospel teaching in the story of walking on water, that it's, it is the story of what Jesus did for humanity, not just Peter, and it's all of our spiritual stories. Yeah. So Peter says something in Matthew 14, um, and you, you quote this in, in your message. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. And it, it's almost, I almost see this almost as in two different ways. And I, I kind of want you to help me make sure I'm on the right path here thinking about this, or maybe it's both. Are we to see this statement from Peter as a spiritual hesitation, meaning something that we should try to avoid by saying, Lord, if it's you, almost as a, as a challenge or a test? Sure. Or 
is, is this a sign of spiritual maturity in Peter that, that he really seeks an answer from the Lord before making a decision in his life? How, how do we play that out? So if we put it in the context of the story, right, these guys are in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of the lake. Um, eventually one day you'll get to Israel with me. And Jesus would have been coming from the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Golan Heights. There's not much civilization over there. Even today, with modern civilization, Alex, it is pitch black Hmm. on the Sea of Galilee. Hmm. So now we're going to go back 2,000 years, and we're going to take even any light from Tiberias, Capernaum, the hillside, the villages up on the Golan Heights. Not only is it pitch black, 1,500 feet below sea level. Hmm. It's storming. It's raining. It would have been terrible. You wouldn't have been able to see 10 feet in front of your face. So the context is... They, they see a figure walking towards them in the wind. They think it's a ghost. Mm. And Jesus is like, relax. Yeah. It's me. Mm. Um, and Peter says, if it's you, call me to you. Mm. Now, we would have to have a conversation with Peter to understand why he asked that. Yeah. But when we look at some of the reasons he could have asked that, a desire to be closer to Jesus, an yeah. um, active faith, mm-hmm. saying, if it's really you, I believe I can do anything. We, we know that it was not a selfish or unspiritual request, or Jesus yeah. would not have granted it. Right. If Peter would have been grandstanding, mm-hmm. Jesus would have said, like, like when Jesus called him Satan, yeah. Jesus was not afraid to yeah. confront Peter. Mm-hmm. He could have said, like, listen, big shot, I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah. So there was something in urgency of Peter mm. that needed to be closer than he was to feel safer than he felt, wow. which is why we said for Peter... Being on the water with Jesus felt safer than being in the boat without him. And I think sometimes as Christians, we need to be willing to be in the storm with Jesus rather than in the boat without him. We read, if if we were to back up in John chapter 6, we read that after Jesus fed the 5,000, we talked about that last Mm -hmm. week in Matthew 14, parallel um, text in John chapter 6, the people after they ate came and tried to make Jesus king by force. And he knew his time had not come yet. And he knew the thing that made him spiritual king was not feeding people physical food, but feeding people spiritual food, which would ultimately be his body symbolized Mm -hmm. in the communion that we take. And Jesus made them leave. And it says they all walked along the shore back to town. He did not let his disciples join the group of people who wanted to misuse his leadership in their life. Mm. He sent them onto the Sea of Galilee, knowing that there would be a storm, but knowing that them in the storm with a proper view of Jesus was safer than them on the shore with an improper view of Jesus. And Peter takes it a step further and says, I not only am willing to be in the storm, I'm willing to be in the the surf. Yeah, Yeah, I'm willing to get out of the boat. If if Jesus, you want me to, Mm -hmm. and if you'll call me to it. So I think there is an an act of humiliation. There is an act of there is an act of humility. There is an act of obedience. And and there's a huge aspect of faith. But I think we have to believe... um, if this would have been an inappropriate question, Jesus would have answered it differently. differently than he did. Yep, and I th- and I think he would have chastised him differently because mm. he didn't chastise him for getting out of the boat. He chastised him for not making it all the way there. So, mm. like he 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 was okay with Peter asking for and receiving supernatural faith, yeah. and I think he wished Peter would have held on to that faith a little longer. Yeah, yeah. The, the storm that we're talking about in Matthew 14 was a literal storm. Yep. Um, he had physical wind, physical surf, and, and, yep. and physical conditions that were causing him to tremble and ultimately lose his faith yep. um, and, and not make it to Jesus physically. Um, 
but sometimes that storm can look like emotional pain, spiritual pain, things that we've experienced in the past, things that don't necessarily have physical attributes that are fighting against us. Um, we would call this spiritual warfare in many, many yeah. cases. The storm can be terrifying. Sometimes it can cause pain. And I, and I think if we think back to previous experiences that we've had in the past, the, a lot of those fears and anxieties come from, from things that we have experienced in the past, hurt that we've experienced. In your message, you say um, that Peter couldn't see the wind, but he could feel the result of the wind. Yeah. The problem is that most of these feelings, like I said, are probably fears that come out of a time where, where Jesus was not from the get-go, our primary focus. It was, it was just pain that we were experiencing, and we couldn't see Jesus through it. As Christians, how can we stay rooted in the peace and safety that is in Jesus so that we are not shaken by the winds and the storm when the storms come? Yeah, so probably what you did not have on the outline that you, that you read unpacked real clearly. So Peter couldn't see the wind, but he could see the effects of the wind. Mm which is interesting because it, that's also how Jesus says you see things spiritually that allow you to build faith. Yeah. When Nicodemus came to him, he was like, I don't understand spiritual things. Jesus like, it's like the wind. Yeah. You can't really see it or know where it's going or where it's coming from, but you, but you see it and you feel it. Mm-hmm. So basically, what, what we're drawing is a parallel that we are spiritual beings, mm. right? We are made in the imago Dei, the image of of God, and we have mind, and we have intellect, and we have emotions, but we are spiritual beings, which means the spiritual warfare causes us to feel things that we can't see, but it also means the Holy Spirit allows us to feel things that we can't see. So how, how do we stay centered? Yeah. We, we have to drink from the sources that we know flow from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We have to drink from the Word of God. We have to drink from prayer. First Peter we would to, call it spiritual milk. Yes, yeah. yeah. We have to spend time in worship. We have to spend time in spiritual community. We have to train ourselves to find the wind tunnel where the Holy Spirit is blowing and let that have more impact on our life than the wind tunnel where spiritual warfare is blowing. And we have to learn through lots of time in prayer, lots of time in meditation, lots of time of fasting. Um, so we said a lot of times in this message, people want to quit fast rather than fast quick. You say, what does that mean? A lot of times when we face spiritual tension and we're not sure whether this is a storm of correction or a storm of perfection, whether God has done this or not, our first step is usually to quit. We quit fast. She's like, I'm done. It's like, no, no, no. What if you would fast quick? What if you would pull everything out of your life and say, I'm I'm going to go without food. I'm going to go without drink. I'm just going to get alone with God. I'm going to do it immediately yeah. right now yeah. until I can sense what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Mm. I think it's, it's just training your heart to understand what is real nourishing spiritual food and what is dangerous yeah. because the wind and faith both work the exact same way. You see the results of them more than you see them. Yeah. But once we learn what the results of faith are, we need to go where that wind is blowing in our life. Yeah. Wow. Would you, I, I hate to put you on the spot here, but yeah. would you have a, maybe a story from your own spiritual walk that you would be willing to share with our audience, just where you had to lean on Jesus rather than falling to fear and anxiety? Can you think of anything that you're willing to share? <laughs> yeah. I can, I can think a lot of, of a lot of those. Um, very specifically when we did our first 21 days of prayer in, I think 2019, I think is when we, maybe, maybe 2018, mm. 2018, 2019. You remember? I think it was 19. I think it was 19 yeah. too. Um, and, and we were getting ready to launch our building campaign. It was 19 because we were getting ready to launch our building campaign. Mm-hmm. And I knew that once we went public with a building campaign, that our church did not have the ability to build. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that I that I was going to be on the hook for overpromising, underdelivering, um, you know, trying to raise too much yeah. and ending up with too little, trying to build too much and getting nothing at all. There's just a lot of faith risk involved. And I'd been asking God in prayer, God, you just got to show me mm-hmm. what to do. I, you know, instead of instead of quitting fast, I started fasting That's quick. Um, and I went to my knees in prayer. And, and one of the early days in prayer, I, I literally, um, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't call it a vision. I would call it a thought probably because of how, I sh- how I'm shaped. Probably somebody with a f- different faith background would call it a vision. Um, but as I, w- as I was in prayer, you know, asking God, like, God, if you will just show me how we're going to get there. Like, I have no problem moving in faith as long yeah. as you assure me that I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Like, in my, in my spirit, I just kind of went back to uh, the Indiana Jones movie where Indiana Jones, <laughs> like, has to take that step of faith. Like, yeah. there's supposed to be this bridge, but he can't see it. Mm-hmm. And he like has to take this step of faith, just trusting something's going to be there. And of course he does. And then there's a bridge and he gets some sand and he throws it so he can see the rest of the bridge. I just kind of felt like the Lord say, like, you're not going to see it until you step. And it was so like uber spiritually spiritual over the top that there was nothing that would have convinced me that it was real. But the wind of the spirit blowing towards me. And like two days later, um, a mentor of mine sends me a devotional that he has read talking about stepping off in faith and being convinced of one of two things. Like if God's calling you to step off in faith, he's either going to provide something to hold you or he's going to give you wings so you don't crash. And it was like, I'm praying for something real specific. And I feel like God shows me a glimpse of what faith looks like and then reaffirms it with some devotional from a guy who lives in Georgia who has no idea what I'm thinking or feeling. We haven't talked in a year. Mm -hmm. And those to me were the winds of faith. And I thought, I still don't see how faith is going to work, but I feel the winds blowing me to live in faith. I also felt all of the winds of spiritual warfare, stress, pressure, very real opportunity to fail. And it was one of those things where you you kind of fail forward in faith and just say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go and either something's going to hold me or something's going to carry me. But I just, because I believe God is good yeah. and I'm being obedient and I'm in prayer and I'm in scripture and I'm surrounded by counselors and living in spiritual community. Um, I'm, I'm willing to do this, not even knowing how it's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up this podcast, this episode, and, and we wrap up looking at this third kingdom profile, um, what, what is one challenge that you would offer our listeners to, to step out of the boat, maybe in something that they're, they're dealing with in their own spiritual walk? So for me, it would be both of the William Carey quote, that I gave. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We've been kind of profiling some missionaries, sure. Jim Elliott, yep. a couple of years be- before him, William Carey, who's called kind of the father of modern missions, um, who said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And of course, one of my you know mentors back in the day, Dr. Jerry Falwell, who ran the university that mm-hmm. I attended, and graduated from, uh, who would ask every year, what would you attempt for God if you knew it wouldn't fail? Wow. I think we've stopped dreaming spiritually of what God's purpose for our life could be because we're afraid it might not fail. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we just get out of the boat and start moving towards Jesus, if we would attempt great things for God, mm-hmm. if we would live in a way in faith that, like, if God doesn't come through, there's no way this could work. But if he does... 
it would be better than anything that I could ever imagine. If we would be a group of people, again, who would not just talk about faith, but live in faith, uh, I think we could experience a movement of God and a revival yeah. like maybe we haven't experienced in our country for a couple centuries. Yeah, if you're listening, I think I think you should pause the podcast right now, rewind 60 seconds, and really listen to that challenge because I think if we do start start dreaming and, and really living out that faith, I think amazing things can happen in our own spiritual walks, in our own communities. And Alex, if you're a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, spending time in Scripture, spending time in prayer, spending time in spiritual community, your dreams usually are from the Lord. Yeah. He's trying to show you a picture of what he wants to do. You're not just making stuff up. Sure, sure. God is birthing in your heart a dream, but he needs you to get out of the boat and start walking towards Jesus. He doesn't promise that you won't sink. He does promise that you won't drown. Yeah. So give it a shot. So give it a shot. Give See it a, what happens. Give it a shot. Yeah. You yeah. might get wet, but you'll be wet and closer to Jesus, Yeah. yeah. which is better than dry and a couple steps away from Jesus. Yeah. Thanks for the conversation. Today. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It's a good one. It's been fun. Good one. And thank you to those of you that have taken time to listen to this episode of Activate This Week. We're so honored that we got to spend a few minutes with you today. And our prayer is that God has spoken something directly to your heart through this conversation. Uh, we hope that you join us uh, next week for more biblical insights and ways to truly activate your faith. If you live in the Kansas City area, we want to meet you in person if we can at one of our two weekend worship experiences, 830 and 1030 on Sunday mornings. If you have a question about your spiritual journey or a celebration to share about what God is doing in your life, email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. We would love to hear from you. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.